Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the 3304 Sports Podcast. I'm Cole Yarnberg, and joined alongside, of course, by Nick Broyden. And in this episode, we're going to be covering some pro sports. It's been a little bit since we've covered some pro sports. It was uh, one of the last few days of spring break, I believe. Yeah, it was right after I was done with calling uh, over the spring break. And now we have a lot to talk about. Um, We have stuff with the NFL. We have a big story to talk about in soccer. And beyond that, I don't think things are too crazy. Actually, there's another story, soccer story that I'll throw in at the beginning because there is a lot of NFL to discuss. So with all of that in mind, Nick, uh, first week back here from spring break, how are things going for you? Uh, pretty good, man. I uh, aced a uh, presentation I had yesterday, so all is well. Nothing wrong with some 60-degree, uh, almost 70-degree weather out here in Blackford, Virginia, too. Not not too much to complain about, man. How are you? How are you? Doing all right, other than the fact that a building that's meant to have AC, like, never has the AC, so it's not great in here uh, overall. I'm not that bad. So, you know, hopefully things are going to continue to go well. And let's go ahead and start off, though, with a little bit of maybe something that's not too well um, in the situation before we talk about another second thing in soccer, of course, is going to be the Roman Abramovich situation. It was uh, reported by uh, BBC uh, BBC about five days ago. Um, I was meaning to get something up a little bit sooner, particularly for Abramovich. Uh, I should have probably recorded a short thing for you guys or something or just get my thoughts on Twitter. But here's essentially what's happened. Um, we have learned of a few things that uh, Abramovich has done that are, you know, to put it lightly, not good, not humane, not it's not nice. It's not good. things. It's really bad. Really, 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 really bad. And I do want to list them off properly. Um I have the BBC site pulled up. However, it's just a lot easier to put off here in these bullet points. Um, currently, uh, from this BBC report, he's implicated in the robbery of a train filled with diesel in 1992, uh, buying an oil company via rigged auctions in 1995, and the Moscow kidnapping of a Chinese competitor in 2002. All of that, of course, was to you know rise his oil company, which is why he was able to buy Chelsea and why he's become one of the oligarchs in Russia. Um, so with all of that in mind, uh, now... Chelsea is not getting like funded whatsoever from upper management. Um, there, there's a possibility of some matches being canceled. Uh, it seems like a lot of players are not happy about this and rightfully so. And now, uh, I mean, basically not only is Abramovich forced to sell the team when he was already trying to sell the team anyways, but now like he, he can't even fund the team while they're trying to do anything in which, I mean, for everything that he's implicated for, yeah, he. Th- there's going to need to be some serious discussions about it in court, it seems like. But, yeah, definitely not something that Chelsea fans are going to want. It's just made things even worse. Yeah, so I see that his plane and 99 others 
over like apparently it was like they they got grounded or they had some type of violations but i remember we were talking about it it was like oh man sucks you know great owner great team and now all this stuff is now coming out about him which is certainly going to strike up a lot of controversy between fans about who the man probably really was mm-hmm. i mean with everything that's going on with russia to have one of the oligarchs uh, implicated for these crimes, I think it's reasonable to say it's not too surprising. No. But it's certainly unfortunate for fans of this club. I mean, I'll I'll still stand by the fact that he definitely seems passionate about the club, but granted it was one of his investments, so of course he should be passionate that way as well. But that's not saying that what he did was wrong. He was absolutely wrong. And we're going to see exactly if these implications fully come to light. I think he was trying to just kind of get away from these Western. Um, I, I think it was saying like, he's trying to get away from some like the Western sanctions or whatnot with that plane. That's why I was, uh, you know, grounded, but I digress. There's going to be a lot about Abramovich to talk about over the summer. Um, m- most likely after hopefully Russia and Ukraine ends soon for the sake of Ukraine. Um, but it's a lot of dirty stuff and it's stuff that, you know, it's, it does not belong in our sport. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's not much more to say about it. It's kind of wild and it's not stuff that I mean, I'm particularly as familiar with, but it's just, I mean, it's fraudulent and it's disgusting. <laughs> so on a little bit more of a brighter note for everything else, um, we do have one other thing to talk about. It is the Champions League quarterfinals. And I think that's a little bit exciting to talk about here. Now, the Champions League quarterfinals are going to be starting for a couple weeks, but the round of 16 is officially over. So may as well kind of talk about uh, the teams that are going to be in the quarterfinals. So first of all, Manchester City topped uh, Sporting Lisbon in their leg, which wasn't too surprising. They started off by thrashing them five to nothing in Portugal. Um, but Man City's going to go on to play Atletico Madrid, who beat United, I believe, two to one in aggregates. United being Manchester United. Um, Benfica uh, beat Ajax in what I believe was a close series. I'm just well, one up. Yeah. yeah, three, three. Yeah, they beat them three two on aggregate. And they're going to be going and playing Liverpool. And Liverpool, I believe, was also in a close uh, series as they were playing by – no, they weren't playing by – they were playing Inter Milan. Yeah, and Inter Milan was able to get a goal at Liverpool, but Liverpool held on to win 2-1 to one in aggregate. So what seems to be a favorable matchup for Liverpool. Uh, then you have Villarreal versus Bayern, the winner of uh, the Europa League still in it. Uh, also, you know, they beat United for that. But Villarreal uh, in the Champions League had to beat Juventus to be able to get to this point. Uh, beat them 4-1 to in aggregate. And it's not too surprising Juventus isn't in a great place right now. Um, and Bayern, I believe, destroyed uh, Red Bull Salzburg. So I expect this to be a lot closer to fair than people may expect. Um, solely because Villarreal, I think, is a step up in competition. And then you have very much an iconic matchup, though granted with everything that's going on with the club, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. That, of course, being Chelsea versus Real Madrid. Uh, Chelsea being Los Glier and uh, Real Madrid uh, being Los Glier 4-1 to one in aggregate. And Real Madrid beating PSG 3-2 to two in aggregate, scoring all three goals in the second leg to move on. So... 
really cool uh, quarterfinal matchup. Uh, definitely shout-outs to Benfica and Villarreal being a little bit smaller clubs, quote-unquote, um, getting to this point. Uh, I don't know if you have any takes on this, but is there a team out of these that you'd like more than the rest, possibly? I mean, I definitely like Man City. I, I did do some research, like I remember I told you I would. Um, I, I see that um, down the corner files. I feel like it's kind of – is it really a David-Goliath matchup? You'd know more than with the, the Benefica and Liverpool. It, it is basically a David and Goliath matchup, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely really cool to see, like, those small clubs make it really far. I mean, Liverpool obviously being a very, very good team. But um, I, I am really interested in the Real Madrid, Chelsea – I mean, that's always been, you know, two of the top clubs performing of course. right now. So that's probably going to be a game that I'll tune into. I mean, my roommate, very big soccer head. So uh, I'm sure that's going to be on the TV. But look, it, that's my main game right now for me, man. I mean, my concern with that, obviously, is the financial side for Chelsea. Um, it's going to be hard for them to possibly be able to uh, – well, what was it for? Be, be able to possibly move with this because – it's, it's been talked about that they might have to forfeit some games due to this monetary kind of constraint that they're in right now. Yeah. Um, however, however, I do think that if, if we're talking about the best matchup of the quarterfinals, it's certainly to me, and this is going to be a little bit of a, it might be a left field shout for some soccer fans, but it's going to be Villarreal Bayern. Uh, Bayern, of course, is a very strong team, but they've had their struggles this year. They've lost to some pretty bad teams in the Bundesliga though they do still, uh, uh, right at the top of the Bundesliga table. But Villarreal is a very, very uh, solid team. And I think that they could cause a little bit of trouble for uh, Bayern Munich. They haven't done as well in their league this year, in La Liga. It looks like they are currently seventh, so they'd be in place for Europa League right now. But they've got a strong side. And um, if they aren't, if they're possibly not going to be in Champions League, I mean, why wouldn't they throw everything at uh, – at this matchup against Bayern Munich, because obviously you've got to be very smart with your rotations in these games, because, you know, you can't have players too, too tired and then lose advantage in your league, which is partly where this, uh, you know, city and Liverpool slightly concern me, particularly Manchester city, because Manchester city right now is in a race for the top of the premier league with uh, Liverpool. While Letico Madrid is currently in fourth, uh, 15 points behind Real Madrid. So all they're doing is trying to maintain Champions League status. So to me, I feel like Letico Madrid might be able to commit more in this matchup than City. Um, I mean, I, I think there's a little bit of that. The Branson City has an incredible rotation. And then as I'm trying to even quickly look at some of their upcoming matchups, I mean, they, they have to play Liverpool in between their Atletico matchup. I mean, so actually, pause. That's the big thing. That's the big thing, Nick. So Manchester City play their games uh, April 5th and April 13th, and wedged right in the middle of that is a whole matchup against Liverpool. So the question is going to be for Pep Guardiola is, do you want to start your first team against Atletico Madrid at home, or do you want to possibly have a little bit of a rotated side and maybe both of your home games and then throw out everybody in the away. That's the kicker. So if anything, that's going to be a little bit of a surprise for me. If I was to say my favorite personally for the champions league right now, I'm probably at a toss up between 
Bayern and Real Madrid. I don't have a Premier League club winning it right now. And the reason I don't is just because I think that City and Liverpool being in such a tight race for the Prem are going to possibly stretch themselves too thin and are going to lose them with these Champions League matchups because it's a one-point difference between the two sides. It's really anyone's trophy right now, at least between the top two teams. So that's my biggest concern. And honestly, it's, it's really – I, I had to be excited for it, honestly. So I don't know. I mean, certainly a lot of soccer to look forward to for you. I will definitely okay. be watching that uh, Real Madrid-Chelsea game, but definitely a lot of things to look forward to in the world of soccer, man. Yeah, so just keep eyes on that. Obviously, Champions League, huge, huge time. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Soccer season, of course, for the Prem ends in like mid-May, late May. I think it's late May, and then Champions League is meant to end like around May, June. So we got some fun stuff here still going. So, yeah, very, very exciting stuff. And with that in mind, let's go into something that uh, you and I are both pretty uh, strongly familiar with, the NFL, as there's been a lot of stuff going on in free agency. Um, So with that in mind, I do have the NFL list pulled up here for the top free agents, and we're going to talk about uh, some of these moves um, or at least I'll save one because one of the, the ironically, their top free agent was Devontae Adams. And we'll talk about trades after this because uh, really the recent trades to talk about, I believe is just Adams and Watson, but I digress. So the first one on this list, Nick is Chris Godwin, who of course uh, got down a permanent contract with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So he'll be returning for, I believe a few seasons. Yeah. So, I mean, he played really well on the franchise tag. Um, in the second and final season when he was with Tom Brady. And he definitely became like one of their go-to guys in an already stacked wide receiver lineup with Mike Evans and him. Um, and until Antonio Brown lost his stuff. But uh, uh, he, he definitely should probably come back pretty well from the knee injury, I think. And he's mm-hmm. a really, really good player. And I think it was essential to bring him back when he's really young. Uh, he's 25 years old. I think uh, – Resigning him was a great move by the Buccaneers. Yeah, he's only 25 or 26. You know, just really, really young player. He's someone that we we talked about, or at least the NFL world talks about when Brady came in to Tampa, that he could become a top guy in Tampa. And it, it's not necessarily that he hasn't been good, but we haven't quite seen what we originally expected, if that makes sense. So not that he's bad, of course. Like, Godwin's really good. He's really good when healthy, and he's definitely uh, a good target for Brady. But obviously, with signing down on a multi-year, you're going to be hoping for his to continue to grow. Um, and ultimately, I think that uh, Godwin and Evans is one of the most fun, if not the best, duo in the NFL, that the receiving position. And uh, to be able to keep those guys for returning Brady is certainly good. Uh, following that, though, we, uh, we were close on this. Uh, I, I forget who you said. It may have been Vegas. Or, uh, uh, no, I think he said he was going to resign originally, then maybe Vegas. I don't remember. But J.C. Jackson, uh, the like true top free agent here on the NFL list, because uh, Chris Godwin was franchise tagged originally, uh, is going on his way to the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, so that is a really good move. As you know, we talked about last week, an already really stacked defense with Joey Bosa and now Khalil Mack. But then they're bringing in J.C. Jackson, who the entire uh, Chargers secondary had like 17 picks overall. But in, in like the last 
two seasons or mm-hmm. season. He already had 17 alone. So he, he's already tremendous in coverage, and he's definitely going to be their number one corner. He, he had uh, eight interceptions, led the league with 23 pass breakups. And I just think him going to the Chargers – is gonna make the Chargers just an even better team, and I know we'll. Uh, I know we're talking about it a little bit later from now, but the AFC West is now very, very competitive with all these guys joining those teams. Oh yeah, it is a very, very strong conference, and it's gonna be very much fun to talk about here. That is one of the planned things uh, to talk about, and we'll see how that goes. They have another one here with Orlando Brown. I haven't seen much on him. I think he got franchise tags, but we'll. I just wanted to mention him as a name um, just because it was on their list, but he was already signed down. Mike Williams was already signed down. So then how about the next free agent here that is signed down and one of the honestly craziest deals of free agency, if I remember right, six-year, $120 million contract for Vaughn Miller, who's now a Buffalo Bill. I thought that was a little Strange, I guess the length in the in the size for me, you know, Von Miller, you know, has been one of the most dominant edge rushers and he's a very good player. I feel like the contract, as I stated, the contract and the length is is a little long for me. I don't know about you. I probably would have given him like maybe like a three or four year deal, maybe like 70 mil. 80, maybe. I don't know. But I mean, he, he's still effective, you know, almost 10 sacks, 15 combined in the regular season. Um, and I know he's he's slowed down a little bit from his prime, but mm-hmm. in any three, four defensive scheme, he's going to be very good. And so it's not a bad signing by any means. I just feel like it's a little long. He'll be there until he's like 38 unless he gets traded. But um, I, I, I it's an okay signing. What's your thoughts on it? The player itself. Great move. I like it. Buffalo yeah. Bills need, need someone to pair up with uh, Ed Oliver and Gregory Rousseau going into the future. And I think Vaughn Miller could certainly be a great veteran the presence in that defense that ultimately, you know, it, it's, it's been a top tier defense even recently. And it's even yeah. kind of maintained uh, under their current head coach. I'm forgetting his name for some reason. Uh, however, um, it, it just isn't quite what like the defense was back in, I believe like 2016, 2017, something like that, where it was like a top five or the top defense in the NFL. It's still good, but it's like maybe top 10 ish. Now I think Von Miller can help with that in that veteran presence, particularly championship mentality presence as he's won two Super Bowls in his career. My concern is the fact that you're signing down this dude who's currently 33 to possibly go and play until he's 39. That makes no sense to me. Um, I, I mean, I think there's some void con- of void years in the contracts, which means that they'd have to, if they did let go of him, pay him when he wasn't playing for them. But ultimately, it's like, I, I don't know why you guaranteed him that. You gave him that six-year 120 when, you know, that you're basically you're saying that he's going to be able to play well enough for you guys that he's going to be earning that type of money when he's 39 years old. And I believe Whitworth, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this. I know he was the active uh, oldest player in the NFL when he was playing last year, but I thought he also broke the record for oldest player that wasn't a quarterback in the NFL at 40. Um, I could be wrong with that, but the fact that you're basically, that's right. Yes. You're expecting someone who's had multiple big injuries, particularly even the past few years to be able to maintain enough health and uh, dominance for the next six years, I think is a little bit ludicrous. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a bit of a, 
a bit of a stretch. I mean, like I said earlier, I feel like six years was way too long. I don't, I mean, he's going to, yeah, he's going to be about, you know, 38, 39. I feel like it's way too old to be slapping him with that much money. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I mean, anywho, the player itself, yes, but there's just so much other context that they probably should have taken into consideration. But, you know, we're, we're not the GMs. We're, we're you know, is what it is. Yeah, I mean, certainly I think I would have probably given him a max of a three years um, just given his age, but certainly someone that I would have given more than that and is currently the next player up on this list is Carlton Davis, who is yet another player to re-sign uh, with Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't remember exactly the terms of the contract, but I know he's going to be uh, locked in there for a little while, and he was definitely the best or like second best, if not best corner in the free agency market. So to return him is really, really good. Yeah. I mean, when he was on the field, he, he had shut down, he had shut down ability and he showed a lot of ball skills. And when he broke out in 2020, it was just really awesome uh, to Tampa Bay to see him just break out and become a really true player and become a, a, a just a true shutdown in in his position. But um, he he's definitely ring signed for three years, 45 million. I mean, he's also like um, Chris Godwin, 25 years old. He's a very young guy, and I feel like you know, obviously, putting him back into the lineup is going to be a great addition to bring back to the Buccaneers. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm in complete agreement with you. As you said, he's someone that broke out, and you know, we've been able to see him shine even in some good, like in some hard matchups. So I think bringing him back to this defense and being able to kind of keep a good structure of that defense and some of that good young core is exactly what you need to do if you're the Buccaneers. So I really like that from them. Um, what I will say is actually, there's really. <laughs> I, I, my thought was actually with a different player with, with that. So instead, there, there's not much more to say about Carlton Davis. I think it's a great signing. Instead, what we are going to do is we're going to move this here into a little bit of a conversation about well, we have two more players. I think we'll discuss a little bit in like with, with our thoughts like this. But then otherwise, we'll just go a little bit faster with a, a few other guys I want to touch up on because I think these two players are big enough really to talk about uh, with their contracts. Probably – Arguably one of the better deals of uh, this free agency period. How about Chandler Jones becoming a Raider? So I feel like that is also a really uh, good deal for the Raiders bringing. Uh, I think he's a, is he edge rusher? I don't Chandler. Know. Yeah, what is he? Chandler's Chandler's an edge. He can do a little bit of everything. Okay, yeah, but I mean, I mean, long story short, just put into simple terms, he's a really good player. I mean, he mm-hmm. performed very well with the Cardinals. I feel like teaming him up with Max Crosby is going to be a really good dual threat for the Raiders. Um, at this point in their careers, though, this might be a hot take for people that are a little bit more casual. I, you might agree with this. I think he's Max Crosby's better than JJ Watt. Um, oh damn. I, I think Max Crosby is a great player, but it's well, to be fair though, mostly it's because uh, JJ Watt is a little bit more injury prone nowadays. So he's lost his step. Yeah. Oh man, man. Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. I, and I'm not even going to lie to you. That is a, I, I would like say like, I am agreeing with you in the take that in like, a couple of years, he'll probably become better. Because I mean, JJ Watt was insane, but then well, no, I'm not saying he's better than like JJ's like prime or anything. No, oh no, no, no! I just like as a player overall, is that what you're saying? I, right? I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying as a player overall, I think that Max Crosby better than that. Yeah, oh yeah, like I think he's more 
like I don't know how if this makes sense. Not like, only because he can actually stay on the field, but because he's really good at applying pressure, particularly yeah. for a team that hasn't had uh, the best defensive line while he's been there. Like I don't know, like how like I, if I can describe this, but like I think you'll get what I'm saying. But like it's not that he's like you know it's not what I'm saying. You know, like his prime is better, or whatever. But it's like he's a more like like I'm not I'm not fundamental, but like defensively like rounded player you get what i'm saying like there's a lot more like parts of his game that are definitely better than jj watts and like there's definitely a lot of really really good things to say about max cross sure but ultimately here for chandler jones here's the thing so you're able to pair up with at least equally if not a better edge rusher than you were just with Mm -hmm. and generally speaking in arizona he I don't think he really was able to have a great partner as like a true outside guy for him. Like he had Hassan Reddick pop off for a year. He had JJ Watt for a few games. And then the the other guy that was like really good for him, though he wasn't on the outside was Clayus Campbell. Um, So I think for him now after Arizona to be able to pair up with someone like Max Crosby is very dangerous. And I think it's a great signing by the Vegas Raiders. Um, I do think that, Ultimately, what they did after this, which was actually, I guess, another trade that we can talk about, um, which was they got rid of Yannick Ngakwe. I think that was a little bit not great for them. However, ultimately, um, Chandler Jones is an improvement on Ngakwe, no matter how good you can consider him. And I think that Jones could help them in the long term. He's also someone that I believe, and you correct me if I'm wrong, hasn't had as many health concerns, certainly not as many as Vaughn Miller. So I think that that's also a plus side that you should be able to rely on him, uh, you know, throughout the season. Yeah. And he's only had like, I think he had, he, he had a bicep injury. I'm pretty sure. Right. Mm. Yeah. I mean, he's been a lot less injury prone. I mean, 10 sacks, 15 games. He's, he's, he's one thing I like about Chandler. He's just very consistent. So a very good signing three years, 51 million. I think the Raiders made a very good choice on how they decided to do, go about it. Absolutely. And the last guy they really want to give detail on that we'll try to be a little bit quicker with some of these other guys, because we do have a lot to talk about here at the NFL is Marcus Williams signing. I believe it was a five-year contract with the Baltimore Ravens. Wait, I'm sorry. What player? Marcus Williams. Oh, I, Oh man. I really like him as a player mm-hmm. overall, Marcus Williams. I think he performed really well. I was looking at Mike Williams for a second. I almost started talking about a wide receiver. No, but um, I mean, five years, 70 million signed with the Saints now. Oh, Raven, sorry. But I mean, he's been steady, durable, well-rounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a really, he's a younger player again, 25, but you can see he's clearly got a nose for the ball. And he had his best season uh, in the run with 2021. And I just feel like he's a really good addition for that Ravens defense. Yeah, I think he's someone that's a little bit underrated just because of how good he like how good the secondary has kind of been around him throughout his time in New Orleans. Um, And and ultimately, what I mean by that is the fact that, you know, you've had uh, Marshawn Lattimore, uh, uh, Malcolm Jenkins came back for a little bit. Um, You you even had the rise of. uh, Gosh, you could probably tell I'm going to look it up, but I know exactly who I'm thinking of, but it's their current. their current safety that they drafted, I believe, last year. Humphrey? No. Uh, no, 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 that's the, that's the Ravens, my man. Uh, no, no, I'm talking oh. about uh, Gardner Johnson. Dude, that's on me. I kept on. <laughs> I started listening <laughs> off. I started listening off every single like Ravens player I ever knew. But not nah, even like the rise of Gardner Johnson, like. uh, 
I, I think was pretty impressive as well. Like the Saints have been really good at being able to get those DBs in their team. Um, Malcolm Jenkins is even still there, but uh, I, I digress. I think that ultimately this, this worked out for both sides because the Saints were able to sign Marcus May on a cheaper deal. And I think Marcus May will certainly shine um, in New Orleans. I think he kind of fits really well comparatively to um, Marcus Williams. But at the other end, Marcus Williams, I think, is someone that's talented enough that he's really going to make an impact for this Baltimore secondary and is going to be a good partner with Chuck Clark. Like that is a crazy secondary to play with each other now for a while. That being Humphrey and Clark and uh, Williams. There's probably even another corner I'm forgetting. Like it's a really talented secondary and it's just really good for Baltimore as they're going to try to uh, not miss the playoffs again with, you know, Lamar Jackson. I think that's a strong, strong move for the Saints. One of my favorite moves just kind of like quietly, but Beyond that, some other moves that have made their names, uh, and we'll be a little bit quicker with these, Allen Robinson going to the Rams. I do. I mean, now, I mean, the Rams are now very, very good. I mean, they still have Matt Stafford. I think they also signed Van Jefferson, didn't they? So now no, Von, the, Von Jefferson's been on their team. He's silver. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. I mean, what I'm um, continuing, but uh, I mean, the Rams wide receiver lineup now gets even deeper and even better. So I feel like a very good signing for them. I don't think Robinson brings too much for me. That's different from Odell. Um, ultimately, it's just I, I guess if McVay thinks that Allen Robinson could be a really good guy to take the load off Cooper Cup, then that makes sense. And good for you. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Robert Woods, but. Uh, Allen Robinson, that definitely works. Uh, Brandon Sheriff uh, is now a Jaguar. And I, yeah, I mean, the Jaguars made a, like, they were just started, they started sh- uh, shelling out all their deals, you know, right as free agency hit. They were on, they were on the ball, just started hitting off, getting guys' contracts. They've made use of their money for sure. They're signing a lot of good guys. And I feel like he will be a really good contributor to them. And I mean, Jacksonville, in my opinion, is not doing bad despite what everyone says, but a very good signing for them, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Actually speaking of then may as well mention this one quickly, Christian Kirk signing for what I think was a ludicrous amount of money. That contract was insanely dumb. Yeah. Very dumb contract, but I do think ultimately getting Kirk wasn't a bad move. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't a bad move, but like, I don't think he even had a thousand yard season, did he? No, not. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think he's really even come close to that. He yeah. had like one year as the number one in Arizona, I believe that was the year with uh, Josh. Not Josh. Allen. Um, shoot, it was the quarterback that uh, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. Um, I, I think he was the number one throws in, but then otherwise he's really been the number two essentially um, with. Cardinals or the number three kind of a rotation between those. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, I've, I feel like, I mean, Christian's Kirk is, you know, by no means a bad wide receiver. I don't think we're, you know, crapping on him for anything, but I think it's more of the contract itself. And I think just like, he's not a bad player, but I don't, don't think, I think me and you can both agree on, I don't think he deserved that kind of money. I, I I don't know if I'm going to say it's deserved. It's just it's more he's got to, he's going to have to live up to that. And I I find it hard pressed for me to say that he will live up to that contract with what he has done in his short time in the NFL. I mean, 
hey, he's still young. We'll see what happens. But ultimately, I think that money was a little bit ludicrous for what he got, particularly because I believe Robinson got away cheaper. Odell's probably going to get cheaper. And when some of those guys are getting cheaper, it's kind of like, really? Why is, why is Kirk in all that money, Jacksonville? I'm a little bit confused. Um, yeah. <laughs> speaking of the two other guys that got a lot of money, um, that, I mean, certainly I, th- I think they've earned it throughout their careers, uh, both 29 years old, Randy Gregory and Devondre Campbell. Devon, I feel like those two guys respectively got pretty good deals for what they're worth. Devontae Campbell, he's been a very good veteran um, when, he, when he played for Green Bay, but um, still very good guys getting their contracts, getting their due. I mean, I feel like these signings that we're all talking about are pretty reasonable besides, you know, some of the insane ones, Von Miller. And he just talked about Christian Kirk, but still very good, very good contracts for those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and with that in mind, actually, I do want to talk about teams and whatnot with what they've done. But I do want to talk about that after um, a couple more things here involving free agency moves and possible moves. The first one, of course, of being a little bit outside free agency, but being trades. And there's been three trades that I specifically want to talk about. I don't believe I'm forgetting one that's a big one because otherwise we talked about a lot uh, last episode, uh, last pro episode. Um, but the three trades we got, and we'll start off with this one. How about Yannick Ngakwe in a straight swap for Rockets in from Indianapolis? I feel like for... Uh, I think it was the Las Vegas, right? That was Yannick Wisconke. Was he on the Raiders, right? He, he was just on the Raiders, and he's kind of been a journeyman since Jacksonville. Uh, he's went from, like, Jacksonville to Minnesota to Las Vegas, um, and now he's with Indianapolis. Yeah, so I feel like – I don't know how – because you're the uh, indie guy, but – not a bad addition. I mean, he's not a bad player at all. I feel like him joining the Colts is going to be a, you know, a slight boost for, I mean, their defense is already very, very good. I don't know where he'd like get put. I mean, that's more of your area. What do you think about it? Well, he's clearly going to be on the D line. That's what he is. He's an edge rusher. He's going to be in that four, three, probably alongside Quiddy pay with Dave and Dave Ingbo backing up either man. Um, ultimately, I think it's something like this. I think a lot of people have been have uh, saying a little bit much about Yannick Ngakwe. Um, the fact of the matter for me is this. When Yannick Ngakwe was playing just a couple of years ago with the Jacksonville Jaguars, he was one of the better D linemen in the NFL uh, with all four years in Jacksonville, racking up eight sacks, 12 sacks, nine and a half sacks, and eight sacks. Really good for a defense that ultimately was good for a couple of years, but then a defense that really fell off. Uh, while he was there, he was there for the highs and the lows. Um, and then otherwise, he's been a journeyman, as I mentioned. He was with the Ravens for half a season um, after he didn't resign with Jacksonville. And then the other half of the season, he was with the Minnesota Vikings. So if you combine that 2020 season, he ultimately put up eight sacks in that season as well. He put a five with Minnesota and three at the Baltimore Ravens. And then when he was with the Las Vegas Raiders for a full season, he had double-digit sacks alongside Max Crosby with 11 assisted uh, tackles. The dude is, I think, because uh, I remember Dan Steinbach uh, on radio when we talked, I think this was brought up, was, uh, or actually I think he and I may have talked about this before radio, was the fact that he didn't think that this was that big of a deal. I think Ngakwe, with, at least for him, I don't know with the NFL like as a whole, I think that's underrated. Yannick Ngakwe is a very talented player. Um, I don't know if I would say he's a top 10 edge. I know there's been people online that have said that. I think that's a little bit bold. But Yannick Ngakwe is certainly among the better edges in the NFL. And I think that pairing him 
with someone that's going to continue to improve, someone that I think has an incredible future ahead of him in Quiddy Pay is a very smart move by Indianapolis. And ultimately, the more edge depth you get, the better is what we've learned in the you know past few years of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like that viewpoint. I feel like, I mean, you, the indie band himself, gave a pretty good explanation on why it is important. I mean, that just, I mean, you know, one thing I like about hearing your size, it kind of gives me a little bit of a new perspective because, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't really think it was a big deal. But, you know, that, you know, obviously shed some light on it. So, you know, all is well. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think a, a bit of the issue for uh, – Vegas is, is they weren't able to get anywhere close to the value that they could have got for him. Uh, not that he had insane value, but just getting Rocky Sin isn't great. Again, as a Colts fan, not that Rocky Sin's like horrible or anything, but it's more the sense of Rocky Sin was never able to really reach his potential in Indianapolis. And even when he was starting to start more and even look better over the past like season, he's still like flag you sin essentially. Like yeah. he, he just gets flags and he gets flags at the worst times. So ultimately, if you're going to slap a grade here on this one, uh, we didn't slap any grades on the free agents. I spaced that part, but ultimately we said that they were all good. So they wouldn't have been good grades uh, for this, for Indianapolis. This is to me a, <laughs> honestly, it's not that big of a cap hit either. I would probably put this as at least an A. I would probably argue an A plus. Uh, and then for Las Vegas's end, I guess C, C plus. No, this is like a D plus. If that, yeah, okay. it's Super just because I uh, that's way undervalued for Rocky Sin or for Ngakwe. And I get it; they wanted to free up cap, and they needed to free up some cap, particularly since they're going to be uh, involved in the next player that we'll talk about. But ultimately, it's like you know, you got rid of you got basically got rid of Ngakwe for a bag of chips. And that that's not great. You could have got certainly more for him. Uh, but speaking of that, other player that they went ahead and got for their first and second round pick this year is Devontae Adams, who is now a Raider. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously a huge deal for. I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but obviously a huge deal for you know Packers fans losing their number one wide receiver, but. I mean, I mean, them getting the the Devontae Adams and the Fresno State guys, uh, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams, finally joining forces. I mean, this is a huge deal. I think it was uh, like, wasn't it around like $151 million or something like that? Uh, yeah, it's, he's getting paid like roughly $30 million. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, yeah, franchise tag inside the Raiders, five years, we had $141.5 million overall. But I mean, he's the best wide receiver around in the NFL, in my opinion. And he's definitely going to get, like, the first option for sure. But, I mean, overall, really good signing for them or trade swap. I feel like for the Raiders, in my opinion, this is a very clear A-plus to get Devontae Adams. Uh, Yeah, I think ultimately getting Devontae Adams for what you got him for is, I would say, an A-plus. Though, granted, it is your first and second round pick. Like, I do think he's worth it. He's... Certainly a top three receiver in the NFL, if not the top receiver in the NFL. Uh, like, I'd be hard-pressed to really argue who would be higher than him. Um, but ultimately, I think that, you know, getting getting Adams and particularly pairing him up with someone like Carr, is this is the best-case scenario for the Raiders. Because 
I, I think there's some questions from outside of the NFL, like from like neutrals in the NFL community. That's like, you know, Devontae Adams is good, but is he truly the number one guy? Um, you know, like Green Bay has had a horrendous receiving core to pair with him for years now. And basically Rogers has no one else he can really throw to. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's kind of like if he was to move on, is he really going to be the same guy? You've, you've now put him on a team where he is going to be the same guy. So I think that Adams and Carr have a great connection. That's going to make it to where Adams is not going to skip a beat being moved from uh, one team to the other. And ultimately this isn't bad value for green Bay as well. Like as a green Bay fan, I wouldn't be, you know, punching the wall or anything for getting just a first and second for Devante um, because you know, not only is it a wide receiver and ultimately though, you guys aren't good at drafting them. Um, it is relatively replaceable. Um, but really the biggest thing of this is that you don't have to pay that 30-odd mil that you did offer for him, but he just didn't want to stay in Green Bay. So I think that for getting what you got for him, it's actually reasonable. And ironically, you know, you can even look back just a few years and see how, though granted, you know, the horrible, horrible, horrible uh, trade, but DeAndre Hopkins' trade, this is leaps and bounds better than what Bill O'Brien did selling out that whole Houston Texans team. So with that in mind, I think for the Raiders, this is a, I'd probably say an A plus. I mean, you know, it's not probably, I would say an A plus because I don't think you can really do much better. Um, it, whether he's the number one receiver or not, you're pairing him up with so uh, Adams up with Carr, and they are very familiar and uh, with one another and have incredible chemistry. So I think that will show on the football field. And then for the Packers, I think could you have got better? Probably, but ultimately it's not that bad of a deal, and you're able to save a lot of money uh, in the long run. So I'd probably rate this still a B plus. Yeah, because I mean, you know, like we talked about, it's not a terrible. I mean, as a Packer fan, it's like, eh, we kind of just gave up like our only good wide receiver. I mean, no hate on Randall Cobb, but like, <laughs> it's not terrible for what we got back. But I mean, we kind of get we kind of get to save a little bit, but then the Raiders still get their they're really good option in Devontae Adams. So, I mean, overall, it's like, I agree with you. I mean, like A, B for both sides, you know, give or take, but, you know, not a bad way for both teams. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of uh, probably one of the more controversial things that have happened over the past week, but we did say that he was going to move quickly. And ultimately he did. Honestly, I don't even remember who I said was going to get to Sean Watson. It may have been Carolina. But yeah, I think that we is, both said Carolina. I, I think we both said Carolina, but ultimately, I I'm, I know I said that the Browns were a dark horse. Uh, I think I said that before. Like I, I think, ironically, they talked about the Browns right after we dropped that episode. Um, but the Browns, who were the dark horse, now have him. And ultimately, they are in a weird spot with Baker on how they're going to move him. But you got one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a true difference maker. I mean, he's, in my opinion, a really, really good quarterback. I mean, now he's going to be their, you know, clear starter. I mean, he gets, I know we talked about a massive, you know, $230 million, uh, you know, contract extension. But now, because they're going to have Baker Mayfield and they're going to have to look for places to trade him, it's just weird now because, I mean, I know they're probably not going to keep Baker, but you have two top-level quarterbacks who are now just sitting in the same place and are like, okay, 
you know, what do we do now? But, you know, once the league finally, you know, gets a decision on Watson's status for the you know next season, the Browns can for sure move forward knowing they have one of the best young, young signal callers overall. So I, I definitely have to say uh, for the Browns is probably like an A, A minus, give or take, because just on Deshaun Watson's like pure talent and how he finally gets to play a snap. So I'd say A minus. Yeah, I'm going to make sure I have the full value up here. Um, but I, I ultimately think for what they traded for Deshaun, you know, presuming uh, everything, uh, you know, that things will get cleared up for him. Um, ultimately, I, I didn't think it was bad value. I just want to see what the trade value is. I don't have it here. I hate looking up things on the internet. It is so much easier when I just have things there um, on my on my phone when it's originally there. I know there's definitely a few first round picks involved. Um, good lordy, I'll, I'll find it on Twitter. I I can I, I feel like I can almost guarantee I can find it on Twitter. However, um, with that being said, Deshaun Watson is someone that I I want people to think of it like this. Deshaun Watson was able to carry the Houston Texans to the playoffs on multiple occasions when they really had nothing of a team there for him. Like it was just not a good team at all. Um, you know, when, when he was there, that defense was just bad. It, like it was, it was good for a couple of years, if I remember right. And then after that, it just kind of fell off. Clowney left JJ Watt eventually left, but granted he wasn't playing then. Um, the linebacking core started to fall off. The secondary started to fall off. Um, you, you had like the O-line was never really good for him. DeAndre Hopkins was traded away. Basically everything that could have went wrong for Watson and Houston did. And he was still able to try to bring that team to the playoffs or at least will them to something that was like close. So to be able to do what he did with that team was impressive. So ultimately my biggest thing is, is as a player, Imagine what he's going to be able to do on a good team in uh, Cleveland. I think he can do a lot. And it's going to be very scary for the AFC North and the AFC as a whole to see how Deshaun Watson's going to be able to play with an actual competent team, which is weird to say about the Browns for how they were for most of our uh, early lives. But they are a competent team right now, a competent organization. Um, and to have the full trade details for you, I finally, I, I found it. Thank you, Twitter. Big shout out. Uh, the, the deal was Browns got to Sean Watson in a fifth round pick this year, but they gave up their fourth and third this year and their three first round picks, one this year, two next year. I think that's incredible value for Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, I think before the legal allegate, uh, legal allegations uh, would have probably been worth four first round picks minimum um, because he was just a franchise guy and he was becoming one of the top three guys in the NFL, in my opinion. Um, but now that, you know, with everything that happened, uh, you know, I think that's great. And for the Browns, this is certainly, I think you're in the right range. I'd probably rate this at an A minus. And for the Texans, this is an A plus, honestly. And you might be slightly surprised by my saying that, particularly since I said they could have got more value for him. But the reason I say it is because they don't need him. And their relationship was broken off for about the past 18 months. And yet they still dealt him for three first round picks. So you can now use that kind of like what you were trying to do with Robert Griffin, when which was where Deshaun Watson was able to shine. Um, 
with the Robert Griffin trade, I'm referring to back in like what 2012 or whatever, I digress. Um, you can now take those first round picks and try to reinvest that into the team to build around Davis Mills, who I think we even talked about last episode was ironically the best rookie quarterback last year. <laughs> and, uh, oh man, that was a shocker seeing him up there. But um, yeah, I mean, besides, I mean, the, the, no, I'm sorry, the Texans definitely did better than when the, the Andre Hopkins trade. I mean, they definitely got a little bit more bang for their buck here and they certainly did. I mean, the relationship, like you said, was already terrible. I mean, it's yeah. been terrible. And I mean, Bill O'Brien and I mean, Deshaun Watson made it very clear that he like hated that place. So him getting yeah. out and now he will be very scary on the Browns. So there's a lot, lot, lot to look forward to next season. Now, I will say with the negative of this, this does say a lot about how women are viewed. I know that's something that Mina Kimes has brought up and a lot of other uh, analysts in the NFL world. The fact that he got paid like this new contracts and a lot more money and a lot of guaranteed money and the value of the trade and everything. I think that's a little bit negative. Um, I do agree. And obviously there's still possible legal uh, implications to come. But... Ultimately, when you're looking at it on the pitch, it's a good move. Outside perspective, I, I guess, you know, we'll have to see as time moves on. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to spend we, – we've, we've talked about that a while, and I don't want to spend too, too long on it, but I do want to shout out Mina Kimes and others who have um, looked at the other's perspective, and right, rightfully so. Um and they're going to be uh, a, a lot, a lot better worded or whatnot um, in in their takes and why this isn't great for uh, you know, the the legal and legal side and women's side, etc. Sure. Well, we've gotten through a lot of the big free agency deals. We've gotten through a lot of the trades. Let's talk about a little bit of rumors here. Um, now, I don't believe that there's too many crazy rumors I've heard on free agents, though I will actually pull that up. Um, but there's certainly been rumors on trades. Really, the one rumored trade that we do know of is now that Deshaun Watson's in, where's Baker Mayfield going to go? Man, you know, I haven't – I need to, like, actually, like, probably, like, look at some of the Baker Mayfield things. I know he wants out, but <sighs> – there's certainly – there's definitely places where he can fit in and play well because, I mean, by all means, he is a really good quarterback. I mean, in my opinion, I've always rooted for Baker. I mean, he got literally got the Browns' first playoff appearance in a very, very long time, and then all the Browns fans are still crapping on him. But, I mean, he's a, still a good quarterback, and he can fit in. Um, You know, is it – I mean, is it odd? Is it bad to say that the Steelers could be an option? I don't know. I mean, there's no way that. Not after signing Trubisky. I mean, is there, is he really, is Trubisky really a QB1? Uh, I mean, that's a good question. I think ultimately he could be this year. I don't know if he will be moving forward. I just. I just like don't think of ba- of of sorry not Baker but um as Mitchell Trubisky as like really a big like QB one I just don't see it like that I mean he did throw six touchdowns I mean in the one game I just don't know I don't really see him as that like 
blossoming into a star, but I don't know. Mm. Landing spot wise, maybe uh, Carolina. I don't know. Someone who needs a quarterback. What do you think? Um, ultimately, uh, from what has been rumored and from what isn't surprising, and honestly, I definitely prefer this is Indianapolis. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been the team that's been rumored by the media. It's been what's been talked about over the past few days. Um, with one of the rumors being that he told Indianapolis that, or he told Cleveland that he wants to be traded to Indianapolis. Um, Ultimately, I think his value is going to drop a little bit. Apparently, his value is at a second or third right now, which I think is, you know, a, a, a little bit of tomfoolery, particularly since you just uh, traded um, for Deshaun Watson. So everybody knows that Baker Mayfield is not going to start for you next year. Um, so, you know, if you weren't to trade him now, then you'd have to let him walk, I think, because I think he's in his fifth year here with the Browns. Um but I think that I, I think we talked about this with Indianapolis, uh, actually, because I think we talked about this with Mariota. We don't need the impossible and stuff that you know Carson Wentz would try to go for, though it can be appreciated. We just need a competent quarterback that's a good game manager. And over the past two years, Baker Mayfield went from trying to pull off the impossible with Cleveland and even did by, uh, I, you know, I believe getting them into the playoffs is like a seven seed or six seed or something like that. Um, but he, just, we just need him to be a game manager. And over the past two years, that's what he's had to do with Stefanski because Stefanski's offense is really more focused around Chubb and Hunt. And, you know, th- you really use Baker more if one of them gets injured. Like, you know, th- th- they don't want they didn't want Baker to throw like 40, 50 times a game, probably not even 30. I think you're keeping him into like that mid to low 20s. And that's exactly what I think he would do in Indianapolis with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines and possibly still Marlon Mack. I don't think he's been dealt yet. Um and I think that he would just fit really well into a Frank Reich system. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, for the Colts, Mayfield's an absolute upgrade over their initial options with, like, Sam Eleanor currently in the <laughs> in-house leader to start. But, I mean, mm-hmm. when it, if they do acquire Mayfield, it puts them in, like, kind of the same mindset they were uh, when they made initially the trade to bring Wentz into town. I mean, they just like the game manager, no one who takes the real big shots, keeps it really calm and simple. But I mean, they can cha- take a chance on this one, um, you know, with a with another, you know, top pick like Mayfield. And I feel like if they do, they can just like have a fiery competitor like him. I mean, he can definitely do both. And, you know, I think bringing him in will probably just add a little bit more spark because, you know, he's just, I mean, you've seen him. I mean, he plays with all passion. So I think mm-hmm. if they can get him, it'll probably, it'll be a serious upgrade. And it he just fits into the Colts in my opinion. I mean, I know I said Carolina, I'm thinking of places where they need a quarterback, but for the Colts having Jonathan Taylor certainly helps and, you know, their offensive line, very, very good. And they're not a bad team by any means. So mm-hmm. if he were to land there, it would not be a bad destination. I think ironically, because the other quarterback that we've talked about getting traded to Indianapolis was Jimmy Garoppolo, and I'm like, no, no, please, no. Um, I think we mentioned – I may have even mentioned it myself that I think I may have brought up Carolina. We may have talked about that. I kind of feel like that's becoming a little bit more of a reality. 
which is going to be very interesting to see. I'm, I'm not wanting to bring up too much on Jimmy Garoppolo. I really want to move more into free agents because Baker's really the, the biggest uh, trade candidate not to bring up. But I, I find it really interesting because I Carolina do desperately need a quarterback. And I feel like that's kind of what we're getting to now for the Panthers. That is kind of Garoppolo or nothing. So I think that's very interesting. Maybe the Panthers are a trade down candidate. Maybe they go and draft a quarterback in the first round still. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting stuff, and we'll talk about our mock draft, of course. But also, just a quick uh, update here with some of these free agents. Uh, we haven't really heard much from the Toronto Armstead camp, so I don't want to speculate too, too much on him. Uh, we've talked about Dolphins and Colts. There hasn't, I don't think there's really been any crazy rumor of like where he's going to sign. It seems like things are going slow and slow with him. But Tyron Mathieu, he's definitely had some rumors around him. Where does it seem like he's likely to go? I mean, <sighs> I, he, I, he wants. I don't know. Is it that he wants out of the Chiefs, right? Uh, sorry. Is it that he wants out of the Chiefs, or is his contract up? I forget why he's. He's, a, he's a free agent. It's, okay, it's not okay. that he's, Yeah. But I mean, somewhere where he's definitely need. I mean, he is like a, he can fit in anywhere. I mean, he's a honey badger. He's like he kind of mm. led the positionless player movement, but. Hmm, I don't know. <sighs> I'm kind of cheap shot by saying my I'm I'm going to say Miami, but I feel like it's kind of a cheap shot. Mm. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's why he is the honey badger. He can do just about anything. Um, but I'm trying to look it up here because I remember this was tweeted by another uh, NFL account that's been talking a lot about this type of stuff. Um, I know, again, and this is going to sound, you know, almost biased, but I know that Indy was genuinely one of the teams that people said uh, that he was interested in going to, which I found to be interesting. Like, I didn't expect that to be, uh, like, us to be a team for him to consider. But granted, if he was to fit in as a corner, that would certainly, certainly work. but, uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like you could they're, – they're probably going to look for more like a corner corner. There's someone on this list of uh, players that I am going to say is going to go to Indy. So, instead, I mean, Miami's not a bad shout, but my only concern is that, you know, they just brought in Javon Holland, and Javon Holland had an incredible season. So, I mean, I guess you could move Funny Badger to strong safety. But, <sighs> honestly, I'd probably say Washington. I think Washington makes a lot of sense. They have some cap space. They desperately need a safety, and Honey Badger would be a good leader in that backfield. You know, I'm not even like that's actually a pretty good place for him to land. You know, I know I just kind of spitballed uh, Miami, but Washington by no means would be a bad place for him. I mean, they they could definitely nab him if they do. It would be a pretty good signing for them, in my opinion, because he still has a lot of good play in him. Oh, of course. And Rivera would certainly love to bring in someone of his caliber. Um, but speaking of bringing in you know, someone with decent caliber as well, how about uh, current Super Bowl champ Odell Beckham? Because he's probably not going to be going back to Los Angeles. No. Um, you know, I know, you know, with the bias thing for me, I feel like as a Packer fan, if we could get him because, like, they have expressed some interest – but I mean, it might be a far shot to grab him. But it's, in my opinion, it might be Green Bay 
or maybe Jacksonville Jaguars. I know we've said the Jacksonville mm-hmm. Jaguars for a lot, but that but the Jacksonville Jaguars have a the best chance. After Kirk, there's no way they're going to bring in Odell because if they yeah, want to bring in true. Odell, they would have already brought in Odell. At least that's in my opinion. So why would you waste the money on Kirk and not Odell? But <laughs> well, Kirk's a lot younger, so that's yeah, yeah, that's true. And Kirk hasn't been injury prone, uh, unlike Odell. But granted, I do think Green Bay is his best option. I think for Green Bay, uh, with the cap space that they now have freed up, uh, you know, it wouldn't cost an insane amount to get Odell in. They've already shown interest in Odell in the past. I believe when he was with New York and with Cleveland, they were in talks to trade for him. So I think that there's a mutual interest, and I think that Odell ending up in Green Bay would be nice for Rodgers to possibly be his wide receiver one next year. Uh, if I was to listen to another team, I'd probably say the Tennessee Titans. They just cut Julio Jones, and yeah. I think that you could pair him alongside A.J. Brown and have a really nice partnership. And I, I kind of think that as well, though they could look at wide receiver in the draft, and maybe they would trade up in order to do so. I think it would probably be more in their best interest to go for a free agent because they still need to go and get like an offensive lineman. So I I think with that in mind, it'd probably be smarter to go and get Odell than to go and just get one of the first round wide receivers. Like if you want to get a first round wide receiver, maybe do it next year or something like that. But with that in mind, there's only two more that I really want to bring up here with the first. No, we'll, we'll bring up one more because I don't think we talked about him too much. We may have, but uh, so we'll have three more here and we'll kind of blow through these real quick. And then we're going to get ourselves here into uh, our, uh, our last two. Well, not, not the mock draft. We'll have one other thing. Uh. So with that in mind, Stefan Gilmore, real quick. All right, real quick before I'm sorry, but um, I'm just looking at some other like just like websites, but they're literally one of the top options for Tyran uh, Matthew is the commander. So good looks by you for that one. But for uh, Stefan Gilmore, I mean, obviously, still, I mean, he's kind of a veteran. He, he is a veteran at this point, but um, <sighs> I don't for Stefan Gilmore, I can't really think of like very many places. For to slap him in, I mean, ugh, I don't know if I want to Jets. Eh, I don't know. I mean, they lost Marcus May, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the Jets. I, I like that as an option. I think that could certainly be a lot of help for Robert Sala. This is the player that I was mentioning that I want Indy to bring in. He's only 31. Uh, just two years ago, he was the by far best corner in the NFL, I think, um, even over like, the likes of Jalen Ramsey. But I think Jalen Ramsey surpassed him within the past year. Um, and I think Stefan still has a bit to go. Um, you know, I, I believe he got picked up an injury at some point last year, but, you know, he was traded for just about nothing. I think his contract value is going to get a lot lower. And ultimately, if Stefan Gilmore was to shine in another defense, I think Indianapolis would be the right one. Yeah, I mean, Indianapolis for sure has still has. I mean, because I know you, we talked about you brought it up how you know there's just they have a lot of money to work with and they just mm-hmm. need to do the signing part. And they they could they still have a lot of viable options to bring in. And him joining their squad would certainly not be a bad one by any means. Yeah, I believe they had 69 million when uh, all things were said and done with trading Carson. 
Um, but I think with bringing in Gakwe and a couple of the free agents, a couple of our own free agents back in the house, we're probably around like 50 to high 40s. So even if we were to trade for someone like Baker Mayfield, we still have a lot of cap space to work with. So that that's another reason why Gilmore makes a lot of sense. Uh, Lael Collins. Was he – what team was he on? Right tackle for Dallas. Okay. He is a really good player. Uh, I'll start real quick if you're still thinking. Yeah, no, I'm fine with that, yeah. Mine's Cincinnati. I mean, straight up. To me, for Cincinnati, this is perfect. Apparently, he just went a left Cincinnati without a deal that, like, they, they met today. But ultimately, for Lael Collins – uh, you know, he'd be a huge upgrade at that right tackle spot. They We've talked about so much for Cincinnati, how they need an offensive lineman. And I think this would make it to where their their draft, uh, it, once they sign Lael Collins, their draft is going to be a lot more free range for them on where they uh, would go in, you know, what position they want to take. Yeah, and I completely agree with the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, the Bengals have done a great job improving their offensive line. You know, they got Ted Karras and Alex Kappa, but, you know, they still have some work to do to go and protect their future, um, you know, starting, uh, in my opinion, future MVP in Joe Burrow. But the Bengals can certainly use an upgrade at right tackle. And, you know, Collins, you know, of course, would slide in very nicely into that position. And, I, you know, doing whatever they can to protect Joe Burrow is an absolute must. And I feel I totally side with you on the Cincinnati Bengals. I feel like he would fit in very well. And the last player to bring up um, is going to be Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner. Yeah. Um, dude, I always have like struggled with these because then I started thinking about, okay, that he could like put him in anywhere. And I think we did talk about this because I think I remember who I said, but I'm, I know what two teams I'm still going to say. I mean, obviously, you know, not that he's Seahawks. As you think, I'll go ahead and shout out my teams real yeah, quick. Yeah, go ahead and do um, that. I, I think the, I talked about the Cleveland Browns. Now, they did re-sign Anthony Walker, um, but I still think he'd be an incredible addition to them. I don't know if they have the cap space anymore to do it, but I think that was my original shout. Uh, but now my shout is, and my number one team form, is the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. Uh, they desperately need that type of interior linebacker. Um, and I think he'd be an incredible pairing with Micah Parsons, um, who's currently listed as that strong side linebacker. And then you'd have uh, Leighton Vanderush, I believe, in the will, or at least the WLB is how it's listed on the depth chart. So I think that'd be an incredible linebacking core. And with some of the upgrades they've made on their D-line, it just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, Wagner to Dallas, you know, it just might make too much sense if you get what I mean. I mean, what he does at you know at this stage in his career, just a sideline to sideline kind of just all out defense is exactly what Dallas needs. And the Cowboys also need to like keep Dan Quinn in town and Quinn and Wagner for sure know each other because you know Quinn, you know former DC of the Seahawks, and you know Wagner is just an all out kind of effort guy. And Dallas, I know, does not have too much. They do not have a lot of cap room. But if they add Wagner, it just makes sense, you know, Amari Cooper not returning and for them to certainly boost their defense helps because no matter what, Bobby Wagner is still a a difference maker. 
Yeah. Um, with that being said, that's our free agents. There's one other thing that we can shortly talk about, and then we have our mock draft, and that's it. So the one question I really want to bring up here, and this is not players, this isn't moves or anything. This is the one thing that you referred to earlier in the episode. Um, it, it, I, I want to bring up the question, could all teams in the AFC West realistically make the playoffs next year? <sighs> I'm going to say yes, but, you know, that's obviously if they hit on all bases and perform very well. But literally each one of these teams is insane. Like they I mean, not insane, but they all have really good parts of their team now since free agency. I mean, Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, they they got Juju Smith, Juju, didn't they? Mm hmm. Yeah, so they got, you know, Patrick Holmes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and then the Chargers, you know, Justin Herbert, J.C. Jackson now, Khalil Mack, Las Vegas Raiders, Max Crosby, uh, Chandler Jones, Derek Carr, Vontae Adams, Denver Bronco. I feel like Denver Broncos are now, I said it earlier, but probably the weakest or maybe the Raiders. I mean, Russell Wilson, Jerry Judy, all these teams are just so good and have a lot of talent. What do you think about it? Because, I mean, I say yes, but, I mean, you always have a different perspective for me. I give it a reasonable odd. I'm going to say that there is at least a 35 to 40% chance of it happening because you've not only have to look at the division itself, but you have to look at the AFC as a whole. Yeah. Um, the division itself is the by far best in football right now um, yeah you know you have what i think would be fair enough to say t- uh, four top 10 offenses with arguably four top 10 quarterbacks in the nfl all in this division uh with the pairings that you mentioned mahomes and hill and kelsey and then you have uh wilson and oka ibanam and judy and sutton and you've got you know Carr, adams and renfro and waller and then in los angeles you've got herbert and allen um, and Mike Williams, like you've got some incredible offenses there. And I didn't even mention the running backs for those teams. Um, so that's going to be very, very strong uh, against, you know, obviously everybody, but then they also all have incredible edge rush. Uh, I think the chargers probably have the best defense in the division. Uh, uh, eh, it's a toss up between them and the Broncos. I think the Raiders and Kansas City defenses would also be competitive uh, next year. So I think that then with, with that in mind, if you're looking at the rest of the AFC, it's then who's going to compete. And ultimately that's where things get interesting because the AFC I think is way stronger as a conference than the NFC. I mean, if you just look at it, like in the AFC North, you now have the Browns who seem like a super team, but you also have the Ravens who look really strong and the Ravens and Browns are both going to be vying for playoff spots next year. And that's not even mentioning the Bengals who were, the runners up for the Super Bowl. Um, you've got in the AFC South, you've got the Colts and the Titans, um, both teams that are going to be vying for, particularly once the Colts get a quarterback in there. Uh, then in the AFC East, you've got the Bills and the Dolphins and even the Patriots to consider. So honestly, I'm even taking my odds down a little bit. I'm going to say 30% chance of happening, but it's still reasonably high just because I think all these teams in the AFC West are really good. The only thing that is probably going to break this down and you don't really predict on this much. And it's not like I'm predicting on this. I just, I think that's a really, this is really going to be the eventual outcome is that one of these teams are just going to get banged up. And I think that's going to be the issue for at least one, if not multiple of these teams. And then I also think that Vegas defenses 
a little bit concerning outside of their edge rush right now. And uh, Kansas City's defense was hasn't hasn't been great for a little while, so they need to improve that. But yeah, it's interesting. I feel like that division's an absolute toss up right now. It's it's very weird. It could really go one way, you know, one of four ways. So it's going to be very interesting to be able to watch that division. Certainly, the by far best in professional football. But with that being said, we have our blitz mock draft. Of course, we'll talk about some moves that we find that are interesting. Um, but ultimately, we're going to go through these 32 picks. Uh, I think we did have our mock draft last episode as well, but we definitely have to re-up this because of all the trades that happened. Um, because now we have, you know, the Houston Texans have multiple picks and the Green Bay Packers have multiple picks. So there's a lot of stuff to cover now with this first round. So with that in mind. Yeah, so. Uh, um, ready to kick it off? Yeah, I've got, hold up. I need to pull up. The, I, I had a guy that I, I needed uh, Green Bay to pick him. I'm trying to find him again. I forgot his name. I, I will also uh, point this out as well. And to continue to point this out, no trades are going to occur still. And yeah. that's going to happen for two reasons. The first reason is that I don't believe that there are really any rumors now of a first-round value player that is going to be traded. <laughs> So ultimately, there's really no team to consider like, oh, they're, they're going to trade a first rounder for this guy. That's the first part. The second part is, is we're not going to speculate on teams that are going to be moving up. We don't have enough really, uh, you know, whether rumors from uh, the professional media to be able to get that. Or in that case, we don't really have enough of a feel on these teams to really go with that right now. There's still a bit of free agency to go. We are still a little bit over a month out from the draft. So Keep that in mind for why we still aren't going to be doing trades probably until early to mid April. All right. You ready to kick it off, man? Uh, yeah. You want me to leave? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm fine with that. Okay. Well, my first round pick of my number one pick in the draft um, is changing. I, yeah, this is actually going to be the third time it's changed. I originally thought it hadn't changed, but this time it's going to now be Aiden Hutchinson it was Evan Neal, then Ekema Kwonu, but now it's going to be Hutchinson. I think they're, they're going to add to that defense. Yeah, and I second you on that. I have him first as well. My second pick in the draft, and this one's a little bit crazy to me, but it's Kyle Hamilton. Okay. I, I don't know if you're reading my mind, but, you know, that's the same here. We're now two for two, but uh, I'll continue on. We'll see how this keeps going with number three here. I think that his getting undervalued is a little bit of smoke. Uh, I'm going to have Kayvon Thibodeau here at three. I think that with how great he is, he's going to certainly be a game changer for this Houston Texans organization. Yeah, we should have knocked on wood, man. I got uh, I came in a Kongwu or a Kongwu. I don't know. I'm bad with names, but I got it. Came a Kwonu. Yeah, I got him going third. Well, I have him going fourth to the New York Jets. Yeah, and then I have Kayvon Thibodeau to the Jets. A little bit of flip-flop is fine. I got Evan Neal then to the New York Giants. Second you on that. I have Charles Cross to the Panthers. I think I've had that in every single draft. Is second you on that. Uh, then I have Trayvon Walker to the New York Giants to pair up with the really good interior defensive line they have. I got Derek Steenley Jr. to uh, the Jets. Or not like the Jets, sorry, not the Giants. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I like that as well. Um, obviously, they just cut ties with uh, Bradbury, I believe. They got ties with one of my corners. So, uh, then at pick eight, I have Drake London to the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I got Drake London as well. You know, obviously, the loss of Calvin Ridley would probably prove to be yeah. too much. Uh, pick nine is still a mod Gardner for me. 
I got at nine, I got Malik Willis. Mm, okay, so now you're going down the quarterback route for Seattle. Yep. All right. I, I mean, maybe they're blowing smoke with Drew Locke being their quarterback, but it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, I could see it. Uh, quarterback there for him. At 10, I have Derek Stingley now to the Jets. Yeah, for the Jets now, I have Traylon Burks. Oh, Traylon Burks that high. Okay. I like that. I like that. Uh, I do have wide receiver next, but I have Garrett Wilson going at 11. Yeah, I have Garrett Wilson as well. Yeah, a couple of Ohio State boys together, uh, you know, playing on the same field now. Uh, I have Trent McDuffie to the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, it might be a little controversial, but I got Jermaine Johnson. No, I don't think that's that controversial. Jermaine Johnson's been flying up the board. He's been up and down in mind. He wasn't in this. He wasn't in my first board. He was in my second, and now he's deeper on in this board for me. Uh, but I have back-to-back corners here because I have Andrew Booth then going to Houston. Uh, for me, I have Trayvon Walker. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I found it really hard for Houston to kind of get a read here because they do really need everything and. Ultimately, with Andrew Booth being a talented corner, I just thought bringing in another guy there would be nice for him. Yeah. Uh, at 14, I don't believe this pick has changed either unless I had Linderbaum higher last draft. So, Tyler Linderbaum to the Ravens. I got Jordan Davis. I see that. They've been upgrading the interior. I think they've been looking for that as well. Uh, I have George Carlafidis then to the Philadelphia Eagles. I got Ahmed Garner. <laughs> Oh, okay. So Gardner falling a little bit. I get you. I get you. Uh, I have Devin Lloyd as well to the Eagles. Um, For me, I have George Kalafidis then. Okay. Well, so we both have Kalafidis, the Eagles, at the very least, just a little bit of a different, uh, you know, where they are. Uh, Devontae Wyatt, I have going to the uh, Chargers. Uh, for me, yeah, I have Devontae Wyatt as well. I have then, this one might be a little bit surprising. I was debating quarterback here, but since I think that they're going to bring back Jameis Winston, I was influenced here to take a wide receiver, and I took Jamison Williams. Yeah, so at 18, I wanted to take someone else, but maybe a backup option. I don't know how you'll feel about this. My, I, I'm taking Matt Coral. No, I like that. I, I, you know, you know the Coral's one of my favorite options for this trap, so I, I'm definitely here for it. Uh, at 19, I have Traylon Burks. Yeah, so at, then at 19 for me, I have Tyler Linderbaum. Mm, I mean, I like it, but I know I know how you I know how you feel about. It. I feel like we talked about it because you know you still you thought you think that Jason Kelsey still has some years left in him, but I'm yeah, he's, he's still got years in him. Uh, yeah. But ultimately, what's probably going to happen is just the Cesar Ruiz situation with New Orleans. He was a center at Michigan, and then he went to interior guard with New Orleans, and has been getting starting minutes. So that's probably what happened with Linderbaum if that happens. So I'm not absolutely opposed to it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I was just saying, I don't know. I didn't mean to steal uh, what you were going to say. I don't know if it could be it, but I got a uh, Kenny Pickett at 20. I don't know if you second that. Oh, I was uh, okay. I didn't know if you were going to the next pick or not, but yeah, no, I absolutely had Kenny Pickett. That Kenny Pickett's my first quarterback off the board here. Yeah, I knew that me and you were going to have that pick locked and sealed ever since we first did this uh, mock draft. So, yeah, 24. Yeah, I, I don't know if I had it last week. I know I have it this week, um, and I don't think that that's going to change. I mean, it's basically for me, for Pittsburgh, between him and Malik Willis, and maybe I should have a quarterback drafted higher, but that's probably just going to happen via trade, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, 21, I have Nicobe Dean going to the Patriots. For me, just with the pure loss of J.C. Jackson, I'm saying Trek McDuffie. Oh, no, absolutely. If I had a corner there, I would have done it. 
Yeah, just New England was in a little bit of an unfortunate spot for me. Uh, 22, I have Zion Johnson as my first pick for the Packers. So, for me, you know how I was going to go because we talked about it. Uh, sorry if you hear noises. I'm uh, outside. I apologize about that. But um, That's great. Uh, I got a uh, Chris Olaf for me off the board just because we just need more wide receivers. Uh, I can see that. I mean, I have a receiver later. I just think that a little bit of interior guard help would be nice for you. Oh, yeah. uh, I have Jordan Davis going to the Cardinals. For me, I have Andrew Booth. I can see that as well. He'd be a good secondary addition. At 24, this is my weird pick. I have Cowboys going for value and taking Chris Olaf. For me, for Cowboys, I got the Kobe Dean. I can see that. I mean, it, it'll all depend on if they get back Bobby Wagner or not. Yeah. Um, my my thought process with the Love was just more the fact of they just got rid of Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb's in his third year. Uh, they they lost Cedric Wilson as well. So I think you kind of it would be nice for you guys to have or nice for them to have that third guy. And I think that a Love could be that second third guy for them. <laughs> No, I completely so, agree. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not much crazy. It's just kind of with how that board fell. That's that's where he is right now. Uh, 25, I have Jahan Dotson, Penn State. Uh, for me, at 25, I got Jamison Williams. I'm taking a lot of wide receivers. Yeah, no, I took a lot of wide receivers as well. I, I, I'll have to count up and see how many I have. Honestly, I will say, as we're talking about that, I don't think it's too surprising. I think this, this is a really strong receiver class, um, at least oh, on yeah. paper. Uh, 26, Kenyon Green is a Titan. I got Devin Lloyd to the Titans. Oh, wait for Devin Lloyd. Okay. Uh, 27, I have Trevor Penning going to the Buccaneers. I got uh, Kenyon Green to the Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, I was debating interior line for them, but they didn't really have, like, they would have had to have reached on interior linemen for me because you now have, like, Dylan, uh, Dylan Parham and Donovan West that you'd have to be looking at, maybe even, like, Lasita Smith or something like that. The reason I went Trevor Penning is because they could uh, always kick. Uh, I'm forgetting his last name, but his first name's Donovan. He's currently starts at left tackle for them. Uh, they could always kick him into guard. He does like their left tackle did just about a little bit of everything for him. Um, you know, he, he can kind of fill wherever there's a need on the offensive line. And Trevor Penning started at left tackle during his uh, time with Northern Iowa. So. I just thought that that was the best case scenario. Have two young t- uh, tackles. Oh yeah, no, without a doubt. I mean, it's always you know, it's not one than the other. So as long as you have a backup plan, man, you always do. <laughs> Absolutely. And with that in mind, for the Packers, your backup plan at receiver was Sky Moore from Western Michigan. So you know, I I don't think for me I could go this uh this whole time without saying David Ajabo. You know, and if I if he wasn't injured, I wanted to say David Ajabo. He's always been my favorite, you know, but however, his injury has hindered that. So for me, for the Packers, I'm saying Christian Watson. I mean, I know I've drafted wide receivers for both Packers, but I mean, wide receiver now is a must because we do not have very many options. But he Christian Watson, in my opinion, is the like I guess like if he's not drafted first round, then he'll probably be taken in the second. But, I mean, I feel like he's, for me, a must-take for the Packers at 28. I think that's a high rise for Christian Watson. But, granted, he did have a very strong combine. So, I wouldn't be opposed for his getting taken uh, early. I don't know if the first round's quite his territory. I'd probably have him as, like, a mid-second round guy. But, certainly, Watson's value is just skyrocketed since the uh, combine. 
Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Without a doubt, it's definitely like a bit high. I'm, I'm, I know I'm probably reaching with that, but I, uh, I don't think it's that bad though. I mean, he could certainly be the combine riser, kind of like um, Jim, uh, Jamin Davis was for uh, Washington last year. Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. A guy that's been littered around most people's first rounds, Bernard Raymond, is a dolphin for me. For me, I'm taking Trevor Penning because of. I just feel like he just is a very, very big man, and he just. Yeah, we, we both take tackles here. Yeah. Uh, at thirty is actually where I have Jermaine Johnson, uh, and partly is because uh, I don't know if they're going to be able to have a Ford resigning Melvin Ingram to a contract that he'd like. So for thirty, for me, I got Logan Hall. Logan Hall. Yeah. Interior defensive lineman. For oh Houston. yeah, for for Houston. Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean he's got a lot of talent. It might be a reach, but I, I like definitely like when you're getting towards this late first round picks, if they aren't traded, it might be reaches. Uh, 31. I have Daxton Hill to the Bengals. Probably the first time I've mocked them not getting a uh, lineman. Yeah. For me, I have, you know, I'm going to guard. So I'm going Zion Johnson for me. Mm-hmm. And then my last pick of this draft, I would be remiss if I did not have Malik Willis in the first round. So he's going to go to the Detroit Lions in my first round. I know I took Malik Willis very, very early. I think I had him at eight or nine. But for me, I have George Pickens, uh, wide receiver from Georgia. Yeah, I'm starting to believe a little bit that the Detroit Lions are willing to buy in on a quarterback this year. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it's that bad of an idea, particularly like because if they ultimately do want to get a guy, if whoever they draft shines and they can package them with a first round pick or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah. I think that, you know, as I said, with Malik Willis not getting drafted earlier, it might be a little bit of an oversight uh, on my end there. But with with that kind of occurring and no other teams needing quarterback late, uh, it's just, just kind of fell into Detroit's lap. And Detroit will certainly say thank you for that as he's kind of becoming one of the top guys on the board. So with that in mind, that is our third edition of the mock draft, and it will be very interesting to see how our mock drafts differ um, after doing all of these. But be- beyond that, I mean, as we're recording, a huge upset is uh, Baylor was the first number one. Yeah, almost a comeback, man. I was rooting for Baylor. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I heard some stuff about uh, so- some of like what happened during the game that wasn't great. So ultimately, one of the positives – for my March Madness bracket that has been <laughs> bad, really bad, as most of you guys would know. So and ending everything on a on a bright note, uh, you know, of course, it's been a pleasure here to record with you again, Nick. And uh, we'll have a great rest of this first weekend of college basketball that we're going to talk about on Monday or Tuesday. Um, but beyond that, there's not much else here for, for you, ladies and gentlemen. This has been another episode here of the 3304 Sports Podcast, a little bit of a pro episode covering uh, both worlds of football, that being soccer and NFL. Uh, obviously, we'll have a lot more to be able to talk to you on the NFL end uh, next week as more free agency and trades occur. And we'll certainly have a lot to talk to you with college. We might even break those up because we probably have a lot to talk about with college. Uh, obviously, unfortunate losses for Virginia Tech. But a lot of craziness in March Madness because, of course, that is the reason why it's called March Madness. So very, very exciting times. Uh, it's been a lot to talk about, a lot of sports to digest, and I hope you guys have been enjoying it. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the first weekend here in the March Madness uh, tournament, as I'm sure Nick and I will. Thank you, of course, for listening to the 3304 Sports Podcast. I've been Pilgrim Bergstrom, and please take care. Have a great rest of your day.